Today we have Mia Taylor with us. Mia Taylor is an award-winning journalist whose two-decade-long career has included receiving nine awards from the North American Travel Journalist Association for coverage of wildlife conservation, sustainable travel, and climate change. She was also among a team of KPBS reporters who received the Walter Cronkite Award for Excellence in Journalism in 2011. Her career highlights include working as a staff writer for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, the San Diego Union-Tribune, and now for one of the largest magazine publishers in the country, the Meredith Corporation, where she writes about personal finance for four of their leading titles, Better Homes and Gardens, Real Simple, Parents, and Health Magazines. Mia specializes in writing about women and personal finance, and specifically the challenges that single parents face. Her work has also appeared in Travel Age West, the Boston Globe, Westways Magazine, and on MSN Travel and MSN Money. Mia is also currently writing her first book titled Single Mom Saving the World, Success Stories in Business Leadership, Social Activism, and Personal Finance. Welcome to We Are in Media, Mia. That was kind of hard, and tricky to say. <laughs> well, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, Jacqueline and I are very excited to speak to you, first and foremost, because this is the first time we've had someone send along the actual pitches in advance for us to review, and the first time that we'll have the ability, because we've been given permission from the PRs who sent them, the ability to um, publish them in the show notes so our listeners will have a chance to read them themselves, which is really exciting. Yeah, I think when you have a good winning template for, you know, whether it's a pitch or a cover letter or anything, it's always good to share, you know, it helps us all do better. Yeah. So the first one, and this is going to be a two-part series, so we'll dive into the first one for now. Um, it's around centered around sustainable banking, so really neat and I guess, you know, really purpose-driven pitch as well. Um, can you give us a, or us and our listeners a brief overview of the article itself, Mia? You bet. So the article, even though the pitch was about, you know, one new bank and the service it provides, I took that and ran with it and broadened my article to address sustain sustainable banking as a whole and what it means for the planet right now because um, sustainable banking means putting your money in banks to be used for projects that are better for the planet. Projects like solar farms, like wind farms, things that um, are renewable energies. And that's a big difference than when you put money in Bank of America or Chase or various other banks, because as my article revealed for Real Simple, um, a lot of those banks, the traditional banks that we all know, are using a great deal of money to fund fossil fuel projects that can, can contribute to and accelerate climate change. Right. And looking at the pitch, I think the first thing that I also wanted to point out is that the sender, Gina Mazzullo, she tied it into a very timely event, which is something that we're, you know, told to try to do when we send pitches, if we Absolutely. can. Yeah. And so it was April, Earth Month and Financial Literacy Month. Was right. that, um, did that make it a little bit more compelling to you as a journalist to consider um, this? 
Well, I, you know, yes and no. I have to be honest because we plan. So I work for Real Simple and, you know, Better Homes and Gardens, you know, very large publications. And we're planning our stories well in advance, months in advance, really two months in advance in many cases. Wow. So, you know, for me specifically, this may not apply to all journalists. I don't do breaking news. Very rarely do we do breaking news. So if you're pitching me in April, and this email came through from Gina April 20th, so late April. So if you're pitching me on an April trend or a theme, it's almost always too late. But what she did do that I would recommend all everybody do when you're pitching a journalist is she tied it to a report from a credible source. So her second paragraph was about a Rainforest Action Network report. Um, maybe it was the third or fourth paragraph. But that, for me, was the compelling data point, was the report that she weaved in there that I could rely on for broader and very reliable information that was in it was incredibly compelling because it, it tied back to the Paris Climate Agreement. So yes, for other journalists, the, the monthly themes of financial literacy and um, Earth Month might have been great if she had sent it to me two months in advance. You know, So what was more compelling was just that she really tapped into an issue that is so very important in the world right now. Yes, that was my next question. So you beat me to it. I really, yeah. really, really love that she mentioned that straight away too in the pitch itself it's actually the third sentence where she links to this external study yeah. and um yeah it's from a dot org so can we just kind of focus on what makes a study look reputable in your eyes you bet um that's a, and it's a really good question and a very important point to go over because um, I am very critical about sort of where data is coming from and whether I'm willing to use it in um, publications like Better Homes and Gardens and Real Simple, which are legendary publications and re our readers rely on us for uh, reputable research. So um, nonprofit organizations that have been around for years and years and years, I will use data from them and reports from them. They have to have a well-established track record of um, doing thorough research that's vetted, um, you know, or gov government organizations to some degree, their research I'll use, but I'm a little skeptical of all government organizations. But in general, a government report is helpful. Um, the Pew Center is great. You know, think tanks are great. Um, those sorts of things. What I'm probably not going to want is um, some SEO companies report that is merely designed to get clicks to their website. I really frown upon those. Um, and I get a lot of those. I have to be honest, these small, very small companies that are just wanting to get on our map and on our radar. And so they'll do some quick hit study or survey and then ask us to link back to their site where they posted this survey. Um, so really, you have to look at your, your report critically and ask yourself as the PR person, how long has this organization been around and do they have a history of providing reliable data and thoroughly vetted data? That makes sense. I think that's actually given me a really good idea. We should have a whole list of almost per, based on the industry that you're in, studies mm -hmm. that come out annually and when they come out. If I had the time, that would be such a good idea. But anywho. Yeah. Definitely. 
Well, you can um, also get on their email lists too, you know, even if you don't create that, that calendar to remind yourself, you can sign up for, you know, the latest releases from various organizations. Oh, I didn't realize that most organizations had an email list. That sounds really silly, yeah, but... A lot of them do. I mean, not all of them, of course, but there are, because I, as a journalist, get on those lists. I want to know yeah. when the data is released. That's such a good idea. I love that. Um, kind of looking back at the pitch, she does name drop her clients, which mm -hmm. is called Ando. I hope I'm saying that right. You are, yep. Okay. And um, she name drops them kind of like the third paragraph in, mm -hmm. gives a very brief, succinct um, summary of what they're all about, links to Ando as well, the main homepage, mm -hmm. links to, um, let's see, an impact center within the Ando app. Yes how users can see how their money is being used by visiting uh -huh. this place called the Impact Center. Very cool. Uh -huh. But kind of skipping down, she does give more information on Ando in the fourth paragraph. But what I find really, really, really interesting is that to help give um, the founder and CEO some credit and I guess um, credibility and allude to his... Um, ability to speak on camera and be interviewed he mm -hmm. or she links to an interview with him on cheddar.com mm -hmm. where he's on camera and doing a great job i think i think that was really smart i was expecting to click through to his linkedin page to see more about you know him and his uh, background but yeah. it leads right to cheddar this interview on cheddar.com right which is you know i i think that was you know for us of course we don't do video interviews but I will say this, that um, if you can show me that your source has already been quoted in the Washington Post, the New York Times, USA Today, um, you know, reputable publications, that's, that's really helpful because I'm going to know a lot of things by that one little nugget, which is that this person is savvy enough to speak uh, to the media and understand the kind of information that we're looking for, um, and that this person was reputable enough that my fellow publications were willing to interview them, you know, which gives her source even more credibility. Exactly. And I don't know, I feel like sometimes as a PR, we're a bit scared to link to other pieces of coverage mm -hmm. that our client has been mentioned in. But in this oh. instance, okay. it actually really worked out well. Um, yeah, I mean, I would just say on that front, just be selective about which pieces you link to um, for your client. And I would pick the most stellar, of course. You know, I wouldn't bombard the journalist you're pitching with a laundry list of 10 other interviews, but the best two, the best three at most, um, because it does give me a sense of, of who I'm going to maybe talk to and whether they're going to be the kind of source that will work for my publication. Yeah, we've gotten mixed bags. I, like, I've always thought including a media spot is a no-brainer. But we've received word from other people that they don't understand why. But I oh. feel like I'm glad to hear that we're on to something. So thank you. Yeah, I, I don't know who told you not to. I, I certainly wouldn't find it offensive. I think, you know, I put out harrows periodically when I can't yeah. find a source. Um, and so the harrows that I generally respond to will often have links to here's where this person has also been quoted so that I know that they're a legitimate um, source. source that other respectable publications have found valuable. So I don't, 
you know, think it's a bad thing in any way to include that, but I may be different than other journalists. No, I think this is good. No, I, I don't think you are. I mean, you are unique, but you know yeah. what I'm saying. And I think, yeah, I think what you're saying makes a lot of sense. Right. Good. Um, kind of going back just really quickly to the subject line, which I completely skipped over. What caught your eye about the subject? <laughs> it's funny because you had that uh, question in your list of questions you sent me earlier. And I went back and I looked at this particular pitch to see what about the subject line caught my eye. And really, this particular subject line was not compelling. Um, yeah. I don't mean that in a bad way, but I just don't think it was even designed to be compelling. It just says pitch backslash news, re-sustainable banking, which is not you know, the most, uh, it didn't really jump out at me, but the word sustainable banking right now are a big deal in the mm -hmm. world in general. So that's why I kept reading, you know, not because it was an incredibly well-crafted subject line in this case, but because this person, and it's another really important point that I hope we talk about, but this person clearly knew, um, what issues mattered to me as a writer and what issues I had probably written about in the past or touched upon in the past. Um, so maybe she knew she didn't have to go much further than that with me because it's an issue that is near and dear to my heart and something I write about regularly. Um, so it wasn't an incredibly compelling subject line. I had to, re and I wouldn't encourage that, you know, in general, I would put some effort into your subject line unless you already have a great relationship with that journalist and you know um, them really well and know what they write about really well. Ooh, that was one of my other questions. Did you have a relationship with her? Because sometimes, like you said, that helps, right? You're going to see their right. name and be like, okay, they've we've worked together on fantastic stories in the past. Yeah. What do they have for me now? Um, but exactly, yeah, and that was my other hunch is that she knew what topics you care most about and what yeah. you're constantly, you know, keeping your readers updated on. Yeah. Too, so, yeah, I didn't know Gina at all before this, or if I did, um, I, you know, she wasn't somebody I had worked with in a story before. So I think she must've done her homework. And I have to be honest, that is my biggest pet peeve is when I get totally um, irrelevant pitches. I mean, just the other day, my colleagues and I were joking around on Slack because I write for the finance desk for Meredith Corporation. And somebody had sent me a pitch about the five biggest sources of anxiety for your pets. And I thought this person doesn't know me at all. And they did not <laughs> take the time to Google. And, and I, but that happens every day. I mean, it's just, you know, it's so easy to go on muckrack and, or just Google, you know, my bio on any of the publications I write for and see that I'm on the finance desk and I generally write about the intersectionality of finance and life, you know? So I, if there is one huge takeaway I would give anyone listening, it is know who you're pitching. And I'm sure that this has been said over and over and over again throughout your series by a million journalists. But if you don't take that time, you know, I just click delete, 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 delete. If the subject line generally is totally irrelevant or, you know, has nothing to do with what I write about. Mm -hmm. Let's kind of help our listeners get inside your head a little bit more. Where do you get your news from? You bet. Um, I am a news junkie, which is probably, you know, why I went into this job in the first place. <laughs> but, um, you know, so in the morning, I, I subscribe to the Washington Post and the New York Times, and I get emails from them every morning, of course, with their headlines. And so those are my two primary sources first thing in the morning. 
Um, but then I'm all over the map right after I look at those two emails. I'll look at Yahoo News and their, you know, sort of Yahoo homepage. I look at MSN News, um, Apple News. You know, I jump all over because I don't only want to be reading um, the sort of largest voices or the most mainstream voices. I want to see what's sort of welling up from the ground and, and the smaller stories and um, the lesser read publications, what they're bringing to the to the conversation. So I'm all over. And I think that's important. I think you need to do that to understand what's relevant. Right. Do you ever look at Reddit just out of curiosity? No, never. I don't think ever in my life have I looked at Reddit. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know, I hear stories that reference Reddit and I read stories that reference Reddit, but I personally have never, never gone to Reddit. Reddit. Right. I, you know, where I, you know, sometimes I get my news on Instagram. There's okay. more and more news headlines there or, wow. Um, people posting about issues there that will trigger me to research what they're posting about, you know, um, influencers who will be talking about, in my case, I follow a lot of um, people who post on Instagram about living a plastic free lifestyle or um, oceans and the impact we're having on oceans. And I follow a lot of nonprofits on Instagram. So that's another place where I will get story ideas or news tips. Ooh, that's a new one. Yeah. I like that. I love that. Yeah. yeah. So it sounds like you follow certain accounts. Do you ever mm-hmm. look up, I don't know, hashtags um, through Instagram for I top story? I don't really because I take the time to follow people and organizations. Right. Um, and I only have so much time in a day because I am on deadline five days a week for my job. So I have to really be quick and concise about what I'm doing. So I will just scroll through my feed and see who the influencer, what the influencers are posting about um, or organizations are posting about that I follow um, and get ideas from that. That's cool. That's interesting. That's a new one for real. I'm, yeah, I'm I mean, I would encourage being on Instagram and posting about issues that are important to you because we're all looking at Instagram these days. What about TikTok? Just real fast. Oh, are you on TikTok no. yet? <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, I've written about TikTok and and TikTok um, developing this new way to uh, create a TikTok resume. And I understand um, the importance of the influencers and their voices on TikTok. Um, But for me, it's just not my favorite medium. Um, I prefer Instagram over TikTok. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm, I'm wary of getting sucked into the TikTok world. So exactly. Can't. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Jackie, is there any other questions you had about sustainable banking? Or Mia, anything else you wanted to point out about the sustainable banking article pitch? Um, no, I think she what she did really good in this pitch was that, yes, she represented a specific client, and that specific client was Ando, um, but she wrapped it, layered her pitch in a bunch of other news, and Ando was, you know, like the third paragraph down, so it wasn't just a blatant, can you write about Ando? but she contextualized it in a way that was meaningful and resonated with me. So I would encourage that when you're pitching a specific client or product or something to really try to contextualize it and wrap it in other meaningful tie-ins. Yeah, I love that. And I think it's really encouraging to see that. I love the strategy of incorporating an external study from a reputable source as one of the pieces to wrap your story around. So Yeah. 
I think that's great. Why? Yeah, I think that's a that's like a really good lesson for like you mentioned a lot of these smaller companies you see trying to leverage data and you know maybe they try hard and maybe methodology isn't too bad but let's say it really is just like a survey on polefish or something you know something that anyone right. can replicate um maybe try not like don't try to be something you're not maybe research isn't your strong suit but maybe you have an expert in-house that you can leverage and you can take that external data and still use it to your advantage and you know like you yeah. said it helps you out because you have elements to a actual story story right i mean try to think like the journalist right because we're probably never going to just write about a product or a service without some data and some other compelling reason why we should quote that expert that you're pitching and i think for pr people everywhere the thing is to really be on top of the news because then you can really type into tap into the zeitgeist and what is being talked about right now. And then you can think about your clients and how they fit within that context, rather than just thinking about your clients first. And how can I pitch my client? Like if you're on top of the news and the issues impacting the planet, and you have um, passion about some of those things and your, your clients do too, and you can connect all of that and craft a compelling pitch that's about more than just your client, then that's going to resonate a little bit more, I think. Yes. And I like, that's a really good reminder about um, reading the news and you get yours from Instagram. You mentioned a couple of outlets that are good, New York Times. uh, Washington Washington Post. Post. Yep. Yep. And um, signing up for email lists of, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, especially of the organizations that put out these really important studies so that you can provide the commentary as they come out. So it's even timelier. Cool. Yeah, I mean, being timely is key, of course. <laughs> yeah, and then you, like like you had mentioned, it's kind of, so the story did it not come out for two months since you guys planned two months in advance? Is that? Uh, let's see. So, yeah, she pitched April, on April 20th, and uh, we published the story May 28th. Okay, so like um, a month later. Yeah, and I, that was because... Um, you know, I took some time to interview other sources and experts and do, do my research because, you know, I'm rarely going to just write a, a PR fluff piece about one client, you know? Yeah, definitely. I mean, unless it's one really compelling client. And I have done some product stories about just a new product, but this was a deeper and more compelling issue that really required more uh, voices and commentary. Yeah. So one final question before we move on to the next, because it has me thinking, mm-hmm. PRs need to be on top of breaking news, but at the same time, Real Simple and some of the other Meredith web properties don't necessarily, like, for instance, with your beat, you're not covering breaking news. Mm-hmm. Where yeah. do you fit in the media landscape in that regard? Is it that you're just doing deeper dives of timely topics or what? Like, do you know well, what I'm asking? Yeah, I do. We do a little of both. I mean, there are certainly are. I don't want to say that across the entire Meredith uh, of course, yeah. clubs, they don't do breaking news. Many of them do do breaking news. Um, yeah, because CNN like, is part of it, right? Isn't CNN? Uh, or is- I, I, that, uh, gosh, I'm embarrassed. I don't know if they are part of ours. I hadn't heard that. Well, but- don't be embarrassed. Meredith is so huge. Like- Dude, right. <laughs> I mean, maybe they are. I don't know. Um, but, you know, there. I know people, like, I always look at people's published news, and they're doing on their website at least stuff every day about what celebrities are doing and the latest celebrity movements. And just, you know, so they're more of a breaking news. Thing. But the financial desk, um, personal finance desk that I work on, we weren't designed to be a breaking news um 
team. And so though every so often we might do some more timely pieces that we publish in a day or two, in general, we are doing slightly deeper dives or, you know, we'll do shorter stories too, but they're not um, hooked on any time element. So even if not every story is 2000 words or a thousand words, um, the, the 800 word pieces, you know, they're not news breaking news pieces. They're just things, topics that don't require as much coverage um, in terms of content. But, you know, we, it really depends, depends on the publication and the reporter within the organization in terms of who does breaking news and who doesn't. And that really gets back to know who you're pitching. Yes. Read more yeah. than just the last article you found of theirs. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> I, and that's sort of another pet peeve of mine is like someone will pitch me and say, oh, I loved X article, which is just and I know it's just the most recent article I wrote, you know, <laughs> so I know they literally just went to my bio, picked the top article that's there and said, oh, I love this. You know, oh, that's great. Yeah. That's that's a nice technique, but um, I hope that you've read more than the most recent article or are familiar with me based on more than just the most recent article. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's, I love it. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. We actually, I I can recall being like taught in back in the day, like decade, over a decade ago to reference their recent article. And I'm so glad that that's becoming less and less common. I hope yeah, I mean, I still <laughs> see it. I see it all the time. Oh, uh, and I'm not saying it's a horrible thing, but I feel like it's a transparent thing. Like I kind of know what's going on there. You know mm-hmm. that it's a technique that you're using, and I don't necessarily think it's a sincere technique. So yeah, it doesn't sincere. win any points. I guess is the main takeaway. Right. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of We Earn Media. If you head over to weearnmedia.com, you'll find a summary of the episode along with links to any of the resources and more information about our lovely guest and where you can find them online. If you have any topic suggestions or just general PR questions for us or future guests, email us at podcast at weearnmedia.com. Of course, you can also find us on social media. Our handle is at weearnmedia and we're on Twitter and Instagram.